Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of September 15. In the news, tensions in the region continue, including the growing rift between Russia and Armenia. A Russian Red Cross truck carrying humanitarian aid crosses into Artsakh through the Ardam Road. And the U.S. Senate Foreign Relations Committee hosts a hearing on the situation in Artsakh. Tensions in the region continue to dominate headlines this week. Azerbaijan's military buildup around Artsakh and near the Armenia-Azerbaijan border precipitated a flurry of diplomatic activity last weekend as Artsakh's parliament elected a new president after the resignation of Aray Karutunyan and a Russian Red Cross truck carrying humanitarian aid entered Artsakh through the Ardam Road with the understanding that the Lachin Corridor would also open within 24 hours. Uh, this obviously did not happen. At the same time, Leaders of Russia and Armenia tried to ease rising tensions between their two countries. As we reported last week, a number of moves by the Armenian side, including the uh, expected ratification of the Rome Statute, joint military exercises with the U.S. on Armenian territory, aid to Ukraine, recalling Armenia's representative from the CSTO, had raised Moscow's ire, while Russia's clear inaction in restraining Baku's provocations has left Yerevan wondering if they still have a strategic action. Concerns about Azerbaijan's military buildup remain. At a September 10 OSCE meeting convened at the initiative of Armenia, the EU said they have closely monitored the growing tensions between Azerbaijan and Armenia along their international border in recent months, with almost daily reports of shootings, and called on all parties to avoid further incidents and reaffirm their commitment to dialogue. This week, Baku continued accusing Armenia and Artsakh of violating the ceasefire, with the Armenian side having to constantly make counterclaims. And after spreading uh, consistent misinformation, Azerbaijani forces violated the ceasefire along the borders of both Armenia and Artsakh. In Artsakh on September 13, one serviceman was injured near Norshen as a result of Azerbaijani fire. According to Artsakh's Defense Army, the serviceman is in stable condition. The incident was reported to the command of of the peacekeeping troops of the Russian Federation. Armenia's defense ministry reported that Baku violated the ceasefire regime in Serashen, this is in the Sunik region, Verin Shorja, and Kutakan in the Gerard region. Yesterday at a cabinet meeting, Armenian Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan stated that the situation along the Armenia-Azerbaijan border remains tense as Azerbaijan continues movements of its troops along the state border with Armenia and the line of contact in Nagorno-Karabakh. He went on to say that the humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh is critical and the Russian humanitarian cargo that entered Nagorno-Karabakh through Askeran cannot have any visible impact on the situation. And I'm adding it's also because of the content. Yes, not we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> it because those toothbrushes are not going to save the yeah, day, well, neither are the pillows. Yeah. Anyway, as we said, we'll talk about that a little bit further down in the program. As we said at the top of the podcast, on September 9, Artsakh's parliament elected Samvel Shahramanian as president of Artsakh. He was the only candidate and received 22 votes in favor and one vote against. Out of a total of 33 parliamentarians, um, former president Aray Harutunyan had announced he would be stepping down at the end of August and then submitted his resignation. After his election, President Shahramanian visited the Ministry of Defense where the military and political situation in the region was discussed. He also visited the National Security Service, his uh, former place of work, mm-hmm. uh, met with the department's officials. 
Hours after the elections, uh, the Azerbaijani foreign ministry issued a statement describing them as, quote, illegal activities named as elections by the puppet regime created by Armenia in the Gharapagh region of Azerbaijan. On the same day, this is September 9, the EU also released a statement saying that it does not recognize the constitutional and legal framework within which the elections in Arsakh have been held. It added, at the same time, the EU believes that it is important for Gharapagh Armenians to consolidate a around a de facto leadership that is able and willing to engage in result-oriented discussions with Baku. The EU is committed to supporting this process. Other international actors, including Turkey, the UK, Ukraine, Georgia, expressed similar statements on non-recognition of the election. In response to the EU statement on the election of Artsakh President, Natalie Loiseau, chair of the European Parliament Subcommittee on Security and Defense, tweeted, Not only is the EU too often too silent as regards Nagorno-Karabakh, but it raised raises its voice at the worst possible moment. The EU's attitude regarding the situation of Armenians living in Nagorno-Karabakh is a disgrace. And more about the Russian convoy that entered Nagorno-Karabakh. On September 12, Artsakh authorities reported that the humanitarian cargo sent by the Russian government crossed into Artsakh through the Ardam Road by the Russian Red Cross. The Russian humanitarian aid included food and hygiene products, bedding and children's products. It was to be distributed to the families of fallen soldiers, families with disabled children, and families with five or more children. There were about a thousand packages. I can say exactly if you want, Rubina. Yes, because I tweeted it. Yes. So a thousand kits of 0.9 liters of oil, a kilo of sugar, two kilos of wheat flour, one kilo of semolina, one kilo of buckwheat, some oat flakes, and canned meat and pasta. This is, like you this said, is the good part. Right. Then 270 bedding sets and linens, a pillow and a blanket, 200 hygiene kits of three toothbrushes, 10 soap bars, and a thermometer, and 192 children's kits that included vitamins, a toothbrush, eight portions of baby food, fish oil, and baby powder. Take it away. Well, I think uh, Russia is confused and it thinks it's a natural disaster in Artsakh, not a humanita- mm. man-made humanitarian crisis because with the beddings and the beds and the toothbrushes, this is also ridiculous. And also, 1,000 packages for 120,000. Mm, and it's going to go uh, to families with five or more children. There's more than 1,000 families with five or Absolutely. more children in Artsakh. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. This is uh, actually just... I know, I know. Well, I, let's just move on. Oh, well, on the same Now that we said what we thought about it, <laughs> let's see what <laughs> others, uh, think about others think about it. Well, that same day uh, after the humanitarian aid was delivered to 120,000 people, the spokesperson of Azerbaijan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Aykhan Hajizadeh, said that Azerbaijan agreed to the simultaneous use of Lachi and the Ardam Stepanagird rose through the mediation of the International Committee of the Red Cross. However, the following day, on September 13, Azerbaijani presidential advisor Hikmet Hajiev issued the following statement. We continue to engage with the ICRC to ensure the soonest and simultaneous opening of the Ardam Khangendi and Lachin Khangendi roads for ICRC convoy trucks, as agreed in the telephone conversation between President Aliyev and Secretary Blinken on September 1. He went on to say that 12 calendar days have passed since 
then, but the illegal regime subordinated to Armenia refuses to allow this passage and opening of roads. We urge our international partners to redouble their efforts and exert pressure on Armenia and its proxy subordinated illegal regime to end this destructive policy, maintaining gray area status quo and deliberate weaponization of humanitarian issues are their futile strategy. The point here is that they wanted their so-called aid to also enter Artsakh, but the Artsakh authorities agreed only to the Russian, that one Russian truck. On the same day, U.S. Acting Assistant Secretary of State Yuri Kim stated, on September 12, a truck from the Russian Red Cross entered Nagorno-Karabakh from Azerbaijan to provide the first humanitarian delivery since June, important first step, but it's time to open immediately and simultaneously both Lachin and Agdam routes for the ICRC to end the suffering in Nagorno-Karabakh and open the path to sustainable political dialogue. And speaking of Yuri Kim, uh, yesterday on September 14, U.S. Senate Foreign Relations Committee hosted a hearing on the situation in Artsakh. Testifying before the committee was the acting Assistant Secretary of State Yuri Kim. She was the sole witness there, most notably. She stated that the Laching Corridor must open, and she reiterated that several times. She said it has to open now. Uh, the U.S., she said, will not countenance any action or effort, short-term or long-term, to ethnically cleanse or commit other atrocities against the Armenian population of Nagorno-Karabakh. Kim also insisted that the U.S. will not tolerate any attack on the people of Nagorno-Karabakh, adding that Azerbaijan must provide internationally verifiable assurances of respect of all rights and security of Artsakh Armenians. Kim also revealed that the Biden administration has not submitted a new waiver request for Sanction 9 in order to provide assistance to Azerbaijan and is currently reviewing the situation very carefully. The latest waiver expired in June. Yeah, this is significant. And we have the whole uh, readout. Actually, there wasn't a readout. We downloaded and then <laughs> we have printed it all out. It's on our website, that hearing. Because we believe that sometimes it's faster to read and it's more impactful to read than <laughs> to just listen. Yeah, sure. And she said some very important things. And uh, the interesting part was at the very end, the chair of the committee, Senator uh, Bob Menendez, asked her, why is Aliyev not opening the Laching Corridor? And uh, she appeared clearly flustered and said, this is not the, the platform to discuss that, and I will discuss this with you later. But she said some interesting things. I would encourage our readers uh, to definitely go ahead and read that. It's on the front page of our website. Well, amid Azerbaijan's military buildup, when there were real concerns that Baku might launch a large offensive, Armenia's Prime Minister had separate telephone conversations with the leaders of France, Germany, Iran, Georgia, and the U.S. Secretary of State on September 9th. This was past, the past weekend. In those conversations, Pashinyan reaffirmed his commitment to the agreements that had been reached in Prague in 2022 and Brussels this past May, and uh, to solving all issues exclusively through diplomatic means and in a constructive atmosphere. The Prime Minister expressed readiness to hold urgent discussions with the President of Azerbaijan aimed at reducing tension. On the same day, this is September 9, Azerbaijani Presidential Advisor Hikmet Hajiyev told Reuters that President Aliyev has not received any offers for an urgent discussion. Well, on September 11, Prime Minister Pashinyan had a phone conversation with Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Both sides released the same statement on the call, noting that Armenian-Turkish relations and regional issues were discussed, and that both leaders underscored that achieving a lasting peace and stability in the region will contribute to the development and prosperity of all countries. This is just, I can go on ad infinitum. This is a very sort of basic text that, yes, we want to work together. Um, and they stated they will continue diplomatic efforts 
efforts to this end a day earlier, Erdogan had stated that he considered Armenia's activities in Gharapagh wrong, and he would be discussing this in his conversation with Pashinyan, but neither a statement from Pashinyan or Erdogan's office gave any kind of substantive information about what they really spoke about. Well, Pashinyan spoke about it a little bit during an interview later on, saying mm-hmm. that he just considered it to be important and he, it was a useful conversation. This is all we know. On September 14, Armenia's foreign minister, Arat Mirzoyan, had a telephone conversation with his Iranian counterpart, Hossein Amir Abdullahian, and the sides discussed matters of regional security. According to Iran's foreign ministry statement, the foreign ministers also discussed the U.S. Army military training. We'll talk about it later. The Iranian side expressed its concern that the presence of foreign forces in the region will only complicate the situation. The situation is pretty complicated as it is. Anyway, the Iranian foreign ministry added that the most effective way to secure peace is through regional talks and mechanisms, including the 3 plus 3 mechanism. And this is just for people hearing it the first time, Turkey, Russia, Iran on one side, Armenia, Georgia, and Um, Azerbaijan on the other side. A few days before, the spokesperson of the foreign ministry uh, stated that Azerbaijan had assured Tehran that it has no intention of a military attack. He said Baku's latest military maneuvers are simply a normal military operation ahead of the winter season as movement in the mountainous terrain becomes difficult in winter. This is in case they decide to attack in winter? Right. Yes. Later, Iranian Defense Minister Mohammad Reza Ashtiani said that there will be no war in the region. He added the Islamic Republic's approach to regional geopolitical developments is very clear. And this week, as you noted a little bit earlier, Prime Minister Pashinyan had a number of interviews, uh, one to Armenian public television, the other to Politico. In his interview with public TV, Pashinyan stated that he regretted Arahi Karuchinan's resignation, that they had a very good working relationship. And regarding the newly elected leader, Samvel Shahramanyan, when asked why he did not congratulate him on the elections, because of course this was a topic of conversation. Because uh, two of the former congratulations, right. Serge Sarkisian and Robert Kochayan right. did and congratulations. And so Pashinyan said, uh, this is a direct quote, I think the situation is such that there's not much to congratulate. Very heavy responsibility rests upon him. And regarding his calls to a number of world leaders, but not to the Russian president Vladimir Putin over the weekend, Pashinyan said that the purpose of those calls were to inform these counterparts who might not be aware of the nuances of the situation, while Putin is well aware of the details. Pashinyan also spoke about uh, the ratification of the Rome Statute. This is a direct quote. We launched the ratification process of the Rome Statute in December 2022, and it is not related to Armenia-Russia relations, but rather the tensions of the border. We understand, of course, that disturbing contexts are being formed. But on the other hand, we cannot freeze our relations and our obligations with other partners, he said. He was referring to the fact that if Armenia ratifies the Rome Statute, if Vladimir Putin comes to Armenia, Armenian authorities would be obligated to arrest him because there's an international arrest warrant for him. And he also said that uh, the Armenian government had reassured Russia that they Mm -hmm. they had nothing to be worried about. Mm -hmm. Well, he noted that uh, his government wants to ratify the Rome Statute in order to have the events of September 2022, May 2021 be investigated by the International Criminal Court that can have a significant 
impact on increasing Armenia's security when the CSO is not fulfilling its obligations towards Armenia. Pashinyan also gave an interview to Politico Europe, uh, where he criticized the Russian peacekeeper stationed in Artsakh. He said, the security situation changed dramatically due to the violations of the ceasefire along the contact line and the invasion of Nagorno-Karabakh. It was assumed that all these issues should be under the responsibility of the Russian peacekeepers, but if they exist, it means that the peacekeepers have failed their mission. He went on to say, I cannot claim that if there were no Russian peacekeepers in Nagorno-Karabakh, the situation would be better now. More about the international calls to open the Lachin Corridor on September 8 in a phone call. German Foreign Minister Annalina Baerbock discussed the situation in Artsakh with her Azerbaijani counterparts, Jehum Bayramov. After the phone call, the German Foreign Office tweeted the Lachin Corridor must be reopened. The people in Nagorno-Karabakh must receive vital humanitarian aid. On September 9, Joseph Borrell, the EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy and Vice President of the EU Commission, tweeted, In a call with Azerbaijani Foreign Minister Bayramov, I reiterated my concerns regarding the humanitarian situation facing Garapag Armenians. The Lachin Corridor must be reopened now. Other roads, such as Ardam, can be opened as part of the solution, but not an alternative. On September 9, at the G20 summit in India, the President of Argentina, Alberto Fernandez, stated, Azerbaijan's blockade in the Lachin Corridor is causing a humanitarian crisis that once again punishes the Armenian people in a part of their territory. Two days later, on September 11, the Azerbaijani Foreign Ministry called the Argentine ambassador to Azerbaijan to condemn Fernandez's statement and demand that Argentina refrain from making statements against the territorial integrity of Azerbaijan. On September 10, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken issued a statement expressing deep concerns about the rapidly deteriorating humanitarian condition, a situation rather in Artsakh, he called again for the opening of both Lachin and Ardam roads and urged the leaders against taking any actions that raise tensions. He added that the use of force is unacceptable and emphasized that any peace agreement between Armenia and Azerbaijan must protect the rights and security of the people of Artsakh. On the same day, U.S. aid administrator Samantha Power tweeted, the humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh is rapidly deteriorating. It's essential that the Lachin and Ardam routes be reopened immediately so life-saving assistance can reach the people of Nagorno-Karabakh. On September 12, Freedom House President Mike Abramovitz issued a statement in response to the increasing military tensions between Armenia and Azerbaijan and worsening conditions in Nagorno-Karabakh. We are deeply concerned by reports that the Azerbaijani military is massing equipment along the Armenian border. We condemn any plans to attack the sovereign territory of Armenia and urge mediating parties to work toward preventing any further violation of Armenia's borders. Azerbaijan's blockade of the Lachin Corridor risks ethnic cleansing of the region's Armenian population and is exacerbating the ongoing humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh. We urge the Azerbaijani government to engage sincerely in peace talks, refrain from weaponizing the security of Nagorno-Karabakh Armenians and unconditionally open the blockade to guarantee unimpeded two-way movement of people, vehicles, and cargo along the Lachin Corridor. We also urge the UN Human Rights Council to appoint a special rapporteur to assess the human rights situation in Nagorno-Karabakh. And, you know, Rubina, you weren't here last Friday for the podcast. You were doing some other really interesting stuff in preparation for who knows what, but it was very tense the last couple of uh, days uh, with the military buildup, and we kept thinking, 
It's still tense. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Well, Iran reassured us that there's not going to be war. On September 13, European Council President Charles Michel issued a statement expressing hope that the passage of a Russian humanitarian convoy through the Aldam Road will create a momentum for the resumption of regular humanitarian deliveries to the local population, while adding now, a couple of days later, apparently not. The statement added that uh, the EU reiterates their strong belief that the Lachin Corridor must be unblocked in line with past agreements and the ICJ order and underlines its belief in the usefulness also of other supply routes for the benefit of the local I mean, population. Maybe that was the critical mistake that the West made when they said, oh, you know, the Ardam could be an alternative. Yes, yes, of course, Lachin has to open. But they just cre- they punched a hole uh, in, in the whole process by accepting the fact that it could be through Ardam because, of course, but Azerbaijan then now there's a, the, the narrative that changed before yeah, it was one, one corridor that was blocked. Now it's like there's the other road is not opening now. Then we were talking about the blockade of two roads, and eventually they're going to say the people oh, of Artsakh exactly. are blocking, blockading the Ardam road, like which will. Yeah, it just created uh, more confusion uh, in the whole process. On September 11, Germany announced additional assistance to the ICRC for its work in Artsakh. The humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh is very tense. Germany is therefore providing an additional 2 million euro to ICRC for life-saving work in the region. It is important that the aid reaches its destination now, which is why we are advocating for open humanitarian access. This was in the statement, and this week the ICRC was able to facilitate the transfer of a total of 22 patients uh, to Armenia from Artsakh. Well, uh, meanwhile, Azerbaijan continues to deny the transfer of Helen Dadayan's body to Artsakh for burial. Dadayan was one of the victims of the August 14 car crash on the Gumri Yerevan Highway. Her body has been in Goris in a morgue for over three weeks now. The ICRC, after failing to negotiate Dadayan's transfer with Azerbaijan, had offered that her parents come to Armenia and bury their daughter here. And the Russian uh, peacekeepers also promised to start negotiating about this, and there's no no news about them, from them, so apparently those negotiations failed. Well, Armenia's foreign ministry said that Azerbaijan's actions in this particular case is just further evidence of how it's politicizing the tragedy, adding that the foreign ministry is in continuous contact with the ICRC to try to resolve the situation. And this week, and probably this is something that everyone saw, uh, in an article in the Rolling Stone, Kim Kardashian and Dr. Eric Israelian wrote about how it's time uh, for America and the world to take action to protect Armenians from Azerbaijan. As citizens, we are appealing to leaders such as President Biden, Secretary of State Blinken, and their colleagues to take a stand immediately. They must pressure Azerbaijan to open the corridor without preconditions, they wrote. A Kardashian and Israelian added the U.S. has the ability to mobilize a response. Leaders who are effective and help our people will be remembered for their heroism, even if well-meaning. The ones who are inert and ineffective will be remembered for allowing a genocide to take place under their watch. The choice is theirs. On September 11, Armenia and the U.S. began a joint 10-day military exercise involving 85 U.S. and 175 Armenian soldiers. It is designed to prepare Armenians to take part in international peacekeeping missions. A day before, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov announced that Moscow regrets Armenia's intention to hold military exercises with the U.S. He added that there is nothing positive about, quote, an aggressive NATO country trying to infiltrate into the Caucasus. Lavrov stated that Armenia's decision is strange, considering that it refused to participate in CSTO military trainings for the past two years. 
During a September 11 press conference, Matthew Miller, the Speaker of the U.S. Department of State, said that the joint military exercise is a regular training and has nothing to do with other developments in the region. Miller added that Armenia is a long-term partner of the U.S. starting from 2003 within the framework of a cooperation between the Kansas National Guard and Armenian Defense Ministry. And you know, Maria, uh, one of the Armenian media outlets had a piece reminding everyone that this is by far not the first no. uh, joint exercise. NATO exer- joint exercise in Armenia. It happened during its former, as former well. ad- administrations, yes. On September 8, Armenia's ambassador to Russia, Vagarshak Harutunyan, was summoned to the Russian uh, Foreign Affairs Ministry, uh, who expressed a harsh view regarding the unfriendly actions of Yerevan. This was reported by the TASS news agency, referring to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Russia. On September 12, Deputy Prime Minister of Russia, Alexei Overchuk, shared that Moscow treats Yerevan as an ally. He added that the new contacts between Russia and Armenia can take place on September 27 within the framework of the meeting of the Eurasian Economic Commission. He told reporters that negotiations of the tripartite working group on the unblocking of transport links in the Caucasus continue, but the increase in tension between Armenia and Azerbaijan has a negative impact on these processes. According to Overchuk, the next meeting of the Deputy Prime Ministers of Russia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan on the unblocking of transport links in the region will take place when the conditions are stable between the countries. He stated that after their last meeting, there was significant progress in reaching an agreement on the unblocking of transport communications between the Armenia and Azerbaijan. A day before, Dmitry Peskov, Russia's spokesperson to the president, uh, commented on rumors that about the possibility of Armenia's withdrawal from the CSTO. Uh, he asserted that they have not received official signals uh, on this issue in Moscow. To the question whether Russia is ready to defend Armenia in the event of an attack, Peskov said, if we are talking about the territory of Armenia, we have obligations within the framework of the CSTO. You also know that after Armenia recognized the territorial integrity of Azerbaijan in 1991, the circumstances there have changed a little. So this should also be taken into account it was Yerevan's decision. It's just mind-blowing that they are using Armenia's recognition of Azerbaijan's uh, territorial integrity as a weapon against doing anything. Well, uh, you know, Maria, during that uh, interview uh, on public uh, TV, uh, Pajinian also spoke about this and saying that, uh, well, There's nothing new. The Alma-Ata is the mother document that recognizes everyone's independence, including Russia's, including Armenia's, including Azerbaijan's. And their territorial integrity. And their territorial integrity. So nothing new has been registered by saying this. Unless we cancel that, basically canceling also everyone's recognition of everyone's independence. Mm-hmm. So there's like no new information. However, Russia is pushing forward yeah. this narrative that something new has happened. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, the Russian official emphasized that Moscow is not afraid of losing Yerevan as an ally. The two countries, according to Peskov, continue to be close. Peskov again referred to the joint Armenian-American military exercises launched in Armenia, stating that Moscow will try to understand why Armenia makes decisions about the military exercises with the U.S. and not with the CSTO. On September 10, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said during the press conference following the G20 summit that statements by Armenian politicians that Moscow, quote, handed over Nagorno-Karabakh to Azerbaijan are not true. He added, we should not be accused of handing over Karabakh on November uh, 9, 2021 should give an answer to one's own people.
And on September 11, Russian Energy Minister Nikolai Shulikov, in a conversation with RIA Novosti, announced that Russia is considering the possibility of supplying 300 megawatts of electricity through the territory of Azerbaijan to Armenia and from there to Iran. Well, according to him, in the first stage, the Russian side is uh, making an agreement with Tehran and Baku on using the existing infrastructure in order to start the supplies without carrying out any, without building any new networks. Shulginov insisted that all participants of the project are interested. Minister of Energy of Russia did not give any details. It is not clear by which route the supply will be carried out, particularly between Armenia and Azerbaijan, considering that there are no energy infrastructures between the two countries. And on September 12th, Russian President Vladimir Putin assured that there is no turning point in Armenian-Russian relations regarding the Karabakh conflict. Putin said that the situation changes radically when the Armenian authorities officially recognized Baku's sovereignty over Nagorno-Karabakh. Putin said, ethnic cleansing of any kind is inadmissible. I hope that the leadership of Azerbaijan, as they have always told us and are still telling us, is not interested in any kind of ethnic cleansing. Moreover, they are interested in the process of the conflict settlement going smoothly, he said. Regarding the contacts with Armenian Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan, Putin said that he sent him a detailed letter. We are in contact with him. There is no problem with Armenia and there is no problem with Prime Minister Pashinyan. We are in constant contact, he said. On September 12th, Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Maria Zakharova announced that Russia is taking steps to resolve the difficult humanitarian situation in Artsakh. According to her, one of those steps is the parallel unblocking scheme of Lachin and Ardam routes that was developed in cooperation with all interested parties, the Russian official noted that this initiative was presented by Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov at the tripartite meeting of the foreign ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan in Moscow on July 25. Well, that clearly has not happened. She added, we expect that taking into account the understanding reached earlier in the near future, the Lachin Corridor will be unblocked along with the Ardam route, and then humanitarian aid will enter the region unhindered in both directions on a regular basis. Russia hopes that in this way, the humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh will stabilize and the normal life of the local population will be restored. She went on to say that Russia expects that the leadership of Armenia has no disastrous plans to anger the people of both countries. Russia has always been able to rejoice in Armenia's achievements and accept its choices, even when it did not share any decisions, she said. And from Russia, we moved to Azerbaijan. On September 12th, Azerbaijani Foreign Minister Jehum Bayramov met with the President of the International Committee of the Red Cross in Switzerland. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Azerbaijan reported that the issues of cooperation between Azerbaijan and ICRC were discussed at the meeting against the background of the current situation in the region, including challenges and perspectives. On the same day, Minister of Defense of Azerbaijan, Zakir Hasanov, received a newly appointed commander of the Russian peacekeeping force, uh, Kirill Kulagov. According to the Azerbaijani side, the commander of the Russian ground forces was also present at that meeting. The press service of the Defense Ministry of Azerbaijan reported that Hasanov noted that the cooperation between Azerbaijan and Russia is based on friendly relations and mutual trust. According to the source, Hasanov claimed that recently the provocations carried out by illegal Armenian armed groups have increased. And among everything that's going on, the peace treaty is still being discussed. Well, on September 13, uh, Foreign Minister Artmir Zoyan announced that Armenia has received proposals from the Azerbaijani side regarding the peace treaty. There is a process, there is a discussion. Of course, there were no face-to-face -face negotiations after June, he said, and added that unfortunately there are important issues where the position of the parties are still quite far from each other. 
Armenia's Ministry of Foreign Affairs stated that Armenia has no intention of escalating the situation and that it remains open to the discussion of de-escalation mechanisms previously that it proposed, emphasizing that a year ago, on September 13, Azerbaijani armed forces launched an attack against the sovereign territory of Armenia, occupying about 150 square kilometers of territory and in which... 221 Armenian servicemen and three civilians were killed. Armenia's Ministry of Foreign Affairs stated that the armed forces of Azerbaijan should be withdrawn from the sovereign territory of Armenia and that Armenia is interested in establishing stability and peace in the region. And then other but not uh, happier or better news. On September 13, Armenia's Defense Ministry reported that a serviceman, Alex Avanesian, died from a gunshot wound. The investigative committee reported that it was a suicide and that Avanesian's body was found with a machine gun attached to him. Criminal proceedings have been initiated for causing a soldier to commit suicide through threats, cruel treatment, and humiliation. According to the committee, a preliminary investigation is underway. This is the ninth incident of a serviceman's death recorded within a month that is in non-combat conditions. It's hard to find words for that. On September 12th, the EU mission in Armenia opened uh, an operational office in Ichevan. This is in the Davush region. The EU mission now has offices in Marduni, Jermuk, Goris, Gapan, and Yereknatsor. And Maria, lately we've been hearing more from the EU mission in Armenia, more directly from them. Yesterday, uh, the EU mission in Armenia reported that it has been regularly patrolling in the Yerasr area, including the steel plant, to observe any security and military developments by our EU presence. We have contributed to a safer and more secure environment, uh, the statement said. Well, earlier on September 13th, the EUMA, uh, in a now-deleted tweet, said that in the last weeks, EUMA regularly patrolled in Yerasch area to observe and oversee the dismantling of the steel plant. This is the steel plant that keeps coming under uh, attack. In an interview, the company behind the plant in Yerasch says that it's not moving uh, construction el- elsewhere. Uh, nothing has been moved, suspended, or stopped. Yerasch will definitely have its continuation, the statement said. The construction of this factory, which is being built with Armenian-American investments started about half a year ago. Baku claimed that this project threatens the environmental security of the region and officially appealed to Yerevan with a demand to stop the construction. In June, Azerbaijani forces targeted the plant and as a result, two Indian nationals were injured. On September 12, Lucina Martirosian, advisor to the Prosecutor General, reported that the artistic director and chief conductor of the Armenian State Symphony Orchestra, Sergei Sambatian, and his father, Armen Sambatian, the former ambassador of Armenia to Israel, were released on bail of 100 million Armenian drums each. And as a reminder, the father and son were arrested at the end of July. They were accused of large-scale fraud and causing harm to the state. And this Sunday, uh, just two days from now, on September 17, Yerevan city elections will be held. As we've mentioned before, there are 14 political parties running in the elections, 14 candidates for the position of mayor. Uh, the ruling civil contract party candidate is uh, Deputy Mayor Dikran Avinyan, National Progress Party's candidate is former Mayor Haik Marutyan. Of course, there's many others, Manetan Dilian, and so on. And, and we have an article on our website that gives very detailed information about each of them.
again, uh, if anybody's interested to read, but you also listened in on their uh, debate yesterday, candidates debate. I listened to the debate uh, and I also kind of like have been talking to people all day long and everyone keeps saying that now they're even more confused. Yeah. And if some people had some candidates in mind that they knew they were going to vote for, now they're reconsidering. Uh, there wasn't nothing particular about the debate that was interesting or kind of like earth shattering news or kind of people trying to add to the narratives that were already there or kind of present their personalities. But one thing that remains very concerning, and I kind of talked about this in, in my article, but this pushing that through the city elections in Yerevan, mayoral elections were going to somehow solve the army of security right. issues and the uh, blockade in Artsakh. And uh, there was this even one thought that kind of stuck with me, Maria. One said that, like, well, there was little clip of people saying what what's their main concern about Yerevan. And a lot of people were saying uh, it's like uh, cleanliness and garbage disposal. And one candidate said, like, yeah, you're being fooled by municipal uh, issues. Yeah. Issues. so that you will forget more uh, larger security concerns so uh that's basically kind of yeah no no i mean uh, your 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 editorial election. that we published i think two days ago now uh you know talks about that and then we had a piece by harut manukyan okay. on sort of the more technical aspects of it um but definitely would recommend our, our readers to take a look at them to sort of give a little bit more context and background to everything. And now moving on to sports. This week, Garik Garabedian won the silver medal at the World Weightlifting Championships in Riyadh. And Elmira Garabedian, a member of the Armenia shooting team, became the winner of the World Cup held in Rio de Janeiro. Garabedian won the gold medal in the 10-meter pistol shooting category. And earlier this week, Armenia's national football team ended the March of the Euro 2024 tournament with a draw 1-1 to against Turkey. Later this week, Armenia lost to Croatia on home turf with a score of 0. The Football Federation of Azerbaijan will appeal to UEFA in connection with the provocation of Armenians during the match between Armenia and Croatia in the Euro 24 qualifying round, uh, Elnur Mamed the head of the press service of their football federation told Azerbaijani media during the game that was held in Yerevan, the Artsakh flag was sort of fluttering around, uh, raised by a drone over the stadium. The game was interrupted for a brief moment. And that's the kind of week we had here in Armenia and Artsakh. Uh, thank you for sticking around, listening to this very long podcast. Hope you have a safe and peaceful weekend and uh, we'll be back again next week. Mm-hmm.